everything that the Lord's given us. And I, you know, hopefully you guys know our heart. Our heart, our priority is, is his presence. And we've been talking about this for a while now, and I guess I can't joke about this anymore because uh, we can't call this our Azusa Street because Azusa Street was like a barn, basically, with a dirt floor. And you guys know Azusa Street, it was a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit that transformed the world, really. And, um, but they didn't care about buildings. They didn't care if they had a carpet on the floor. It was a dirt floor. And the Holy Spirit showed up in such power, it transformed the world. The Pentecostal movement was born out of it, where we have the charismatic and all the kind of, you know, all the streams that have come out of that. We are, if you think about it, we are a result of it. Isn't that crazy? So we're so grateful that they didn't get offended at the building. <laughs> but, um, you know, none of that stuff really matters, really. I mean, we want to have nice buildings and stuff, but we want his presence more than anything. And I was so encouraged this morning, and this kind of goes along with what, what I'm sharing, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, the Methodist church is experiencing a move of the spirit right now. And uh, how many of you guys have heard about that? I just heard about this morning. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you guys know church history. The Methodist church with John Wesley and his brother Charles was a mighty move of God. I mean, it transformed our nation. And um, so it is awesome to kind of see that they're, they're hopefully returning to those roots again that uh, they would be on fire for the Lord, that the Holy Spirit would really be moving. And so keep praying for the Methodist Church. They're, they're a mess, honestly, right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, if you guys know, uh, you know, the division and stuff that's going on. But it's an awesome... My parents are actually... They go to a Methodist church, and uh, my dad preaches at a Methodist church sometimes. Yeah, and they're, there's, they're splitting right now over um, kind of... The, the wokeness, LGBT, and all that other crazy stuff that's going on. And, um, but maybe, you know, maybe this will, this move, the, the Holy Spirit moving, and then will bring some healing, bring some reconciliation, maybe bring some repentance, and uh, rekindle that fire of revival. Yeah, we want that here. And, um, I believe it's going to come here. I believe that's, that you guys, if you feel called to Wilmington that, and you're a believer, that you're supposed to be part of this. All of us. There is, a, um, and you guys, I'm going to keep on saying it because, you know, uh, we fight with the prophetic promises of God, right? Um, but there was a prophetic word released over our area back in the 70s by Derek Prince that there would be a move of the Holy Spirit greater than the Welsh Revival. And if you guys know the Welsh Revival, 100,000 people, at least 100,000 people were saved in a year, and this is in the early 1900s, where before they had TV and, you know, the internet and all that kind of stuff, um, and think about that. Like, seriously, take a second and just think about our region, our area, and think about 100,000 people coming to Christ in our area. Think about how it would transform our region. I mean, how many people are in, I think there's like over, a little over 100,000 people in the city of Wilmington, right? You guys fact check me. 
<laughs> but it's about that. Think about that. That's what the Lord wants to do here. He actually, it, the, the prophecy actually said it was greater than the Welsh revival. So let's, let's keep going after it. I think we're, we're uh, and just kind of give it a little debrief of what was going on this morning. I mean, something broke open this morning. I, I know you guys felt it. And I felt like the Lord was saying, and he has been saying, that he's preparing us, our little body here, he's preparing us. We're, our, we're the 120. We're the 120. I hope you guys are hearing this. In the upper room. That you guys aren't offended by buildings. You're not offended about not having a polished service. That you're not, that you're not, your, your hunger exceeds any of the natural stuff. So the Lord, he's preparing us to host his presence, to carry his presence for Wilmington. That we would be a place, and you guys heard me, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep preaching on this, Mark 2, 1. That we would be a place where Jesus, there's rumor, there's rumor that Jesus is in our house. That like you, you're in standing in line at Walmart and you hear people, a side conversation talking about, hey, you hear about this place, I don't know, it's this little dinky building, but Jesus is in that house. There's no... Oh, this great preacher, this great worship team, this great community, these great programs, this great child care, all this stuff. No, Jesus, Jesus is there. He's healing. He's delivering. He's saving. That's been our prayer for years now. He's preparing us to, to host his presence this morning. And, and if you guys saw what was kind of going on, like in worship, we were hosting, we were, we were finding out what pleased the, the Lord. And we were at, Lord, where do you want to go? What do you want us to sing? What do you want us to do? Because we want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to host you. Because we want you. I love hanging out with you guys. I love our church family, but I love his presence more. <laughs> How much aw awesomer, is that even a word? <laughs> yeah, thank you. How much more awesome, is that my proper English here? I've been in the South too long. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, that we experience him together as a family that we experience his manifest presence together. And that's what, what, what I believe we're, we're tasting that more and more each Sunday and even this morning. I really feel like there's nothing else that glues us together than his presence. Nothing. When we experience Jesus together, the supernatural presence of the Lord together, we're family. You know, We're closer than probably blood even, I believe. So, Lord, keep coming. We want you. We love your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We know you're here. We just say keep coming, keep moving, keep doing what you want to do. We love your presence. And, uh, you know, if, we, if you guys noticed, when we were singing that one like, stanza or whatever of, like, we lift you up, we lift you up, Jesus, you know, and... Um, 
I really believe that's what it is. I mean, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, all men would come to me. And I think that's what we were doing. We were lifting him up. We literally want Jesus in our midst. Where two or three are gathered, he is in our midst. So anyway, so I really feel like even I just, I'm just going to like keep a continuation of what we've been doing this morning and what even Travis was talking about, uh, King David. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you guys basically just preached my sermon already, but I guess I should do it again, right? <laughs> I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, but um, anyway, so if you guys got your Bibles, let's turn to First Chronicles 13. So that's our prayer. That's what we've been doing for the past couple of months now. We're, we're learning how to host his presence. We're learning how to, to create an atmosphere and a community where, where he feels welcome, where he feels wanted, where he can't keep away. <laughs> that we would, man, I feel like this is the Lord, that we would be like Mary and Martha's house. Where Lazarus' Lazarus's house, you guys remember? He was constantly hanging out. He, they were his friends. He couldn't keep away from their house. And I feel like we're called to be like that, where he's like, I want to go hang out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know? Where, where he felt welcomed, where he felt wanted. And then obviously he was doing the will of the Father, and, and the Father told him to go hang out there too, probably. Does that make sense? That we would be a place where he wants to hang out with us because he's seeking worshipers, right? All right, so the first thing uh, I believe I, I just want to go through about, about the how-to or how we practically host uh, the Lord and his presence and it's such a churchy word. If you, you know, a lot of, we use this phrase a lot about hosting the presence of God. But what does it really mean? And and um, I, you know, I feel like the Lord was really kind of well. What does a host do when you guys go to a restaurant or if you're hosting a dinner party at your house? What does a host do? And I think we're gonna we're gonna get into that a little bit uh, today, and uh, specifically around Abraham. Um, but think about that from that perspective. Don't think about the churchy word of it. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes when we think it's like this ambiguous thing, we're hosting the presence of God. I mean, but there's practical things that we can do to make him feel welcome. So first thing, number one, we need to first value his presence. We, we value it be above other things that we put him before all things. And we've been talking about this a lot, about what it means to please the Lord and that if I were still pleasing men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ, where we're actually, we're not necessarily looking to please men, but we're looking to please him because we know when we please him, that is ultimately going to bless and please others. You see the difference? But we put a lot of stuff, we value a lot of stuff in America specifically above his presence. We value our comfortable, being comfortable. Honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things. Our, we're a very rich com, uh, country, and, and we, we can buy comfort. And even in our church services, we like things like pretty. We like things in order. We like things neat. But 
You know, that's not necessarily, I'll be honest, most of the times the Holy Spirit shows up, it's none of those things. It's usually pretty messy. But in a good way, you know, the Holy Spirit, even in the, the foundation of the world, right, the Holy Spirit, is he was moving over the waters where there was chaos, right, and he brought order. So when the Holy Spirit moves, it's not necessarily in our comfort zone. <laughs> and um, we have to kind of get to a point where we're just like, I don't care about my comfort zone anymore. I don't care. I just want him. And he can come ruin my, my ideas and my theology, my comfort, all that stuff. Because I value his presence. I value him above all these things. So number one, we need to value his presence. First Chronicles 13. We're going to start at verse 1. But before we go, I want to ask this question. If you See if you guys know, what was the very first thing that David did as king after he, he captured back Jerusalem? Does anybody know? I heard it. Brought the Ark of the Covenant back. Okay, let's read it. Ready? David conferred with each of his officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, he then said to the whole assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send word far and wide to the rest of our people throughout the territories of Israel and also to the priests and Levites who are with them in their towns and pasture lands to come and join us. Here we go. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. And the whole assembly agreed to this because it seemed right to all the people. So the very first thing that David did when he became king, and after, you know, he captured Jerusalem back, the very first thing I think shows what was in his heart. He wanted the presence. He wanted to be with the Lord. He knew that his kingdom was not going to stand unless he made his presence number one. Right? Psalm 27. One thing I seek, one thing I desire. Your presence, right? His presence. This is the heart of David, and this is, that's what Travis was talking about. He was a man after God's own heart. He was literally after God, and I believe because of this was in his heart for his presence that God chose him and called him to be king over Israel and then also to be in the line of our Savior. So David made the one thing the first thing. He made it a priority in his rule and his kingdom. It was the most important thing to him. If he didn't have his presence at the center of his kingdom, it wouldn't stand. He knew it. And he knew what Moses knew when Moses prayed in Exodus thirty-three fifteen. If your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else Listen to this. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What distinguishes us? Jesus' presence in our life, right? 
Jesus in our midst. Jesus living inside of us as we are all temples of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus living in our body within our temple here that he's building. Not this building, but us. So let's jump down. I want to talk about hosting the presence of God. And the example the Lord was taking me through was Abraham. So if you guys uh, got your Bibles, let's turn to it now. This is in Genesis 18. We're going to start verse 1. And we're just going to read through this a little bit. And we're just going to learn from Abraham here on how to host the Lord, how to be a host to him in his presence. All right, verse one. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Marmri. Help me with that. While he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day, when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite of him. All right, I want to stop right there. So first thing here, do you guys remember this story? We had the three men that show up uh, to Abraham as he's like hanging out with Sarah. This is before Isaac. And um, you guys remember this story? And uh, one of them was the Lord. There's lots of debate of who's who and all this stuff, but one of them, I believe, was, was, was the Lord, and then two of them were angels that were with him. And um, so first thing, Abraham, he's sitting here. He's waiting at his tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, he saw the three men. Okay, so number one, we're going, to take, we're going to take notes here about how Abraham hosted these three individuals, how he hosted the Lord. So number one, Abraham was sitting. He was waiting for the Lord. He was waiting for the Lord. He was sitting in, in the, uh, outside of his tent at the door of his tent, and he was waiting. And then, and then he also said that he, when he saw the three men, and this is key, and we were doing this this morning, Abraham, he lifted his eyes up, and he fixed them on the Lord. Now, this is key. We can practically do this. We were doing that this morning, where we actually practically fix our eyes on the Lord and not on our stuff. Not on us, not on the problems of the day, not on the problems of the week or whatever, or, or the, the, the situations that, that we're in in our life. When we're, we're facing heaven and we're waiting on him and we, when we see, we fix our eyes on Jesus and we give him our attention, okay? And then when we, uh, we can practically do this. So how do you actually practically do that? Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk through how I do this, okay? And uh, a lot of you guys already do this in your quiet time. It's the same thing. When you're spending, I don't know why we call it quiet time. <laughs> my, my time's usually loud, actually. But, um, but when we spend time with the Lord one-on-one, that one-on-one time with him, see, I, I feel like this is what we need to transition from. Like, I think a lot of times what we do in, our se- in the secret place with the Lord that we need to actually do here together. And so when you get alone with the Lord, obviously, you know, you don't have the TV on, hopefully, or what, I don't know, you're, you're sitting still and you're, you're fo- fixing your eyes, the eyes of your heart on the Lord. You're fixing it on Jesus and you're talking with him or you're listening or you're worshiping or you're reading 
but you're fixing your eyes on Jesus. That's how we should show up whenever we come to, to Sunday morning. We should come, and it's a decision of your will to do this. You don't have to wait for like some goosebumps. You don't have to wait for um, the worship leader to play your favorite song. <laughs> Man, you can worship to, to the worst worship song if your eyes are on him. Because sometimes I'm not, you know, I mean, singing the words. You just, you're just focusing on him. And to practically do that, I mean, a lot of times I just close my eyes and I just, the, I, I just fix the eyes of, of my heart on his face. And I just begin to worship him. I begin to bless him. I literally point my words to him, if that makes sense. Like I'm like kind of focusing my worship, the words to him, to his face. I know this sounds a lot of, like real basic to some of you guys here, but I'm telling you, some of you guys don't know how to do this. And we need to learn how to do this together. So the worship team, when they show up on Sunday morning or whenever we have meetings and stuff like that, they're, they're, not, they're not dragging us along, you know what I mean? They're like, you know, trying to get us hyped up so we actually come and go with them. I mean, we're beyond that, guys. It's time to, we're, we're more mature than that. You, really, you guys are. Where we're actually, we take responsibility for ourselves to focus our, be looking for the Lord. Like Abraham, he was sitting at, he was looking for the Lord. He was putting his eyes on the Lord. He fixed his eyes on the Lord. And we were, to, we were actually singing that this morning. You guys remember. This is key. You know, it's like Hebrews 12 too. It's looking away from all the things that distract to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith and is also the finisher. So that's what we're doing, okay? So we can practically do that to host God's presence for us. This has to, and maybe I should, you know, reiterate this. You guys have heard me talk about this before. You, you can't wait for the leaders to do this. We need to come and do this together. Where we come, all come hungry and we're not waiting for, for Travis to, to give us the scripture to, to engage, but that we come engaging him. Because when we do it together, I'm telling you, we will go further than we could ever go by ourselves in our prayer closet. I'm telling you, corporately. And I've had some awesome times in my prayer closet. I've had the Lord do some supernatural stuff in my prayer closet. But I've had times where in the, in the midst of my brothers and sisters, when the Lord's presence came in, it was awesome. It was more than I could have gone by myself. So we need to fix our eyes on the Lord, wait on the Lord, looking to him, waiting for him, not getting like, okay, what do I need to do next? What do, where do we go next? You know, sometimes in, in even in worship or in church or in our, our quiet time, we are kind of in control. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray five times, and I'm going to do this. You know what I mean? And we have this kind of routine that we go through on Sunday mornings and even in our, our quiet time. But there, there's a time where we just need to be, no, I'm just going to sit and wait. I'm going to look to him. I'm going to see what he's doing, and I'm going to respond to what he's doing. Do you see the difference? And we can practically do that. We were practically doing that this morning, even in worship, when, when, we were, 
when you, you saw Miriam and Victor, they were singing these songs that weren't up on the screen. That's what they were doing. And some of you guys don't know that's what they were doing, but I'm just giving you a little background. I was a worship leader for many years, and that's what they were doing. They were listening. They were fixing their eyes on the Lord, and they were seeing where he was, what he was doing, and the song that came out of them was a response to what they were hearing, what they were seeing in the Spirit. And it was awesome. Kicked off, and Travis was doing the same thing. Kicked off that whole, we lift him up, and I'm telling you, something broke there, I'm telling you. Something broke in the spirit in a good way. All right, so we fix our eyes on him. We wait on him. We look to him. And then when we, uh, the number two, let's, let's keep on going down here. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth. Number two, he worshiped. Like he looked, he saw them, and he worshiped. That was his first response, running to worship him. This eagerness, there's the Lord, I'm going to worship him. We can do the same thing, this practical thing, because when we worship, we're hosting his presence. He loves when we worship. He doesn't need our worship, but worship is really uh, many times for us to get us where he is, if that makes sense. And you know, Travis talked about this a couple weeks ago about is getting the focus off of us and getting our focus up on where he is so that we can be with him because that's ultimately what his desire is. His desire is you. His desire is your heart. He loves to be with you. Some of you guys need to hear that this morning. He loves hanging out with you. Just you. Not just, hey, oh yeah, he likes the, he, he likes the worship leaders because you know, when they pray. No, he wants to hear from your heart. He loves your heart. He loves so much that he gave, right? That's how much he wanted to be with you. He wanted to be with you so much that he went through the cross, the agony of the cross for this one thing, to be with you, to have nothing in the way in relationship with you, to be with you. And that's why worship is so powerful. It's so important because first off, we're giving him the praise that he's due because that's what we were made to do. But also it's getting us to a place where we're with him and we're encountering him and we're, with, we're experiencing him, where he can love on us and we can love back, where we can have this love, intimate relationship with God because that is what you were created to do. Everything else that we seek after in this life is a substitute, is trying to fill that need for intimacy, to be loved by, and to love the Lord. So worship is huge in this thing. And, and just doing like uh, studying history about revivals, and specifically the Welsh revival, worship was a big thing. It was huge. New songs, all kind. I mean, spontaneous worship, all that stuff was, I mean, spontaneous to the point where the worship leaders weren't even like leading the spontaneous. Somebody would just burst out a song in, the, in, in the, the meeting and everybody would just go with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit doing it. 
So worship is for him, but it's also for us. So don't, don't get that back. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But it's huge because in Psalm 22, 3, you guys know this. You are holy. You owe you who inhabit the praises of Israel. He inhabits. I don't understand all the science behind it. <laughs> but when we come together in unity, when we sing the same, we're in one spirit. We're singing the same song, if you know what I'm saying. Not necessarily that we're singing this exact same song, but we're coming in that same heart. It's going to be like Solomon's temple where, where like the presence of God shows up so much so that the, the priest couldn't even, they were like lying on the floor. They couldn't do anything. You'd be boohooing in the corner, you know? <laughs> and that's really the power of worship. It brings us to a place where we can experience and encounter him and we're hosting him where we're, he loves to be with us and we're, we're making him feel at home when we worship. So I'm telling you, I really believe this in the, in the near future here in the months, keep this year even, that worship is going to become more and more part of what we do here on Sunday morning and at home groups. Because he loves it because it pleases him. And we want to find out what pleases the Lord, right? All right, so worship. And then let's move, keep on going, right? So in verse three, it says, and, and my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please don't pass by your servant. So another thing that we can help him feel at home, we can... We can um, show that we, we want him is by inviting him, acknowledging him and inviting him. I know that sounds so simple, but how many of you guys know, uh, ever heard of Benny Hinn? You guys know Benny Hinn? Okay, Benny Hinn does some crazy stuff. Okay, I don't believe everything he does, but some of this stuff is really good. And one of the, one of the best books that I've ever read, honestly, was Good Morning Holy Spirit. And if you guys haven't read that book, I encourage you to read it. But there was a principle there that he would do every morning. He'd wake up. The first thing he'd say, good morning, Holy Spirit. He would, the first thing, the first thing that came out of his mouth, first thing he would do is he would welcome the Holy Spirit, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, make him feel at home with him. And the Lord would just show up in his room and just hang out with them, love on him. Show them awesome stuff. I know this sounds so simple, but it is really this simple. We make it so complicated. We have all these like things and programs and all, but it's really that simple. Welcome him. Come Sunday morning in your quiet time. Let the first thing be Jesus. We welcome you. Holy Spirit, Abba Father, we welcome you. We acknowledge that you're here. You are welcome. We make you first. Take the seat of honor in, in, in our meetings. Be the one that dictates where we go because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in this, and the Lord is the spirit. Where he is Lord, where he's in control, where he's directing, there's freedom, there's power, there's love, all the things that we're seeking after. There's this, I don't know why the Lord does this, 
I sort of do, but let's kind of go through it a little bit. He wants us to acknowledge and invite him. Mark 6, 48 through 51, you guys don't have to turn to it, but just, just listen. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was, was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they saw him and were terrified. Isn't that weird? Isn't that, that, that weird passage right there? He was about to pass them by. Can you imagine that? That whole story would have changed if they hadn't said anything. And he's just, Jesus is walking by, like, you know, <laughs> and, and didn't get in the boat. And he just goes to the other side. But no, they cried out to him. And first off, they were afraid. Anybody see The Chosen? Like that, that whole scene or whatever? This past week, I think it was. He was about to pass him, but he wanted them to want him. Does that make sense? He wanted them to want him. If you don't believe me, Luke 24, 28. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed in the boat with them and the wind died down. And they approached the village they were going and he acted as though... Oh, sorry. Uh, let me start. Luke 24, 28. It says, and they approached the village where they were going, the road of Emmaus here, right? And he acted as though he were going further or farther. Do you see that there? He was acting like he was going to keep on walking by. All right. Hey, good talking with you guys. I'm going to head out this way. This is the resurrected Jesus Christ here, okay? He can just translate. But he's acting like, it's like he was kind of like provoking them to be like, no, 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 no. Don't go. Don't go. Stay with us. Verse 29, but they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now over. So they went to stay with him. They were urging him. The Lord, he wants us to want him. So let's acknowledge him. Just like Abraham, acknowledge him, invite him. Come on in. We want you. You are who we want. All right. So let's keep on going. Verse four, please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them and he was standing by, by them under the tree as they ate. Okay, so you've got Abraham here saying, hey, you got your guys' feet, they're dirty. Let me wash them. You guys look like you're hungry. Hold on, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna prepare some food for you. And then you can go where you need to go. Do you guys see what he's doing here? Does God really need to eat? <laughs> Does God really need his feet washed? 
What was Abraham doing here? He was loving on him. What else? What? He was honoring him, yeah. He was getting him to stay. In a sense, it seems like he's even trying to trick him into staying longer. Now, you can't trick God, okay? Don't hear But he was so desperate and hungry for God. He's like, hey, hang out. Let me wash your feet. What else can I do for you? He was hosting him. Hey, what do you need? I want to give it to you. Are you hungry? And like, he didn't go like small here, okay? These, the, the fine flour, the bread cakes that he made, all, it was tons of bread. And I mean, and he killed a calf. I mean, that's tons of meat. I mean, he had three people, right? He went extravagant with his love for the Lord. And I mean, this took, you know, probably hours to prepare, you know? I mean, they had stone ovens. I mean, they don't know like Instapots and all that other stuff, right? took hours so he could be with him. I think this is what pleased the Lord so much about Abraham. Abraham wanted to be with him, so much so that he was even trying to trick him into staying here with him. It was kind of like that Jacob, right, wrestling the angel, not letting go, just, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I am going to I am gonna get your blessing. I want to be with you. I want your blessing. I want to I have that, the inheritance that you have called me to. We need to be the same with his presence. Well, Lord, I'm not going anywhere, nowhere, until we have you. We don't have any we don't have anywhere else to go. Cause you're the one with the, the words of life, right? It's like what's up Peter was saying. Lord, where else are we gonna go? So we need to have the same heart that Abraham had, where we in a sense are tricking God into staying with us. <laughs> now here we're not gonna trick God, okay? <laughs> don't take that sound clip and just like, you know. <laughs> but we can by our heart make it attractive for the Lord to come and to stay and hang out with us. So Revelations 3.20, I think this is the Lord, what he does. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and I will dine with him and he with me, right? This is the picture that Abraham was hanging out. He just wants to dine with us. He wants to fellowship with us. He loves to be with us. And we love being with him most time. <laughs> you know, Matthew 8, 20, Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I truly believe the Lord is seeking worshipers where he can lay his head. And I'm talking about, obviously, the body here, right? Jesus, he's looking for a place to lay his head where he is the head of this body, where he is leading, where he is king. Ephesians 1, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He's looking for a body where he can lay his head. 
where he is welcome, where he is Lord, where he is king, where he is in control, where he is directing, where he is captain, right? We were talking about this morning. You know, uh, and I want to kind of close with this. I want to read a little bit out of this book to you that I've, I've been reading. It's one of the one of the kind of research books that I've been reading about the the Welsh revival. Um, because you know the the Welsh revival really was a picture of this, of everything that we're talking about this morning of everything that I think the Holy Spirit is taking us into, of how do we host the Holy Spirit? How do we allow him to be welcome? Where he can move and he can do what he wants to do. You know, the, the Welsh revival, it's not like, and hear me out on this, we're not trying to like um, duplicate their methods, if you know what I mean. There's, there's no like kind of formula to like a revival, but there sort of is, if you know what I'm saying here. We're not going to try to like do exactly everything that Evan Roberts and his team did, but there were principles of things that they did do that we can learn and glean from. And so um, really one of the main things that they did was they, they focused on hosting his presence, where they were literally just waiting on him. And think about it like even as a waiter would wait your table where we are finding out, hey, what do you need? What do you want? How can I get you to stay longer? <laughs> do you, would you like any dessert? <laughs> you know, they always do at the, the restaurants. Are you kidding me? I can't even eat what I mean now. <laughs> but that, that's really what they were doing there. It's like Evan and Robert, it's like they learned how to yield to the Holy Spirit and what he wanted to do. And they allowed, they waited on the Lord and worship was a huge, all these things that Abraham was doing. They were fixing their eyes on the Lord. They were worshiping him. They were, they were welcoming him. They were tricking him into staying. And it transformed their nation and beyond. It was actually a precursor, and it was a, it's set the fire for the Azusa Street Revival. I want to read uh, real quick out of the book. This is actually Rick Joyner's book. on. It's called The, the World of Flame. And uh, I just want a short portion of this. Kind of describe, I think this really helps to describe what was kind of going on there and what we've been, we've been experiencing here ourselves, okay? So, so when we have only the Holy Spirit, then obedience to the Spirit is everything. Few have ever been so willing to trust in the Lord to this degree, and few have ever seen true revival because of it. If the Lord does not show up at our meetings, we, are all, we always have a pretty good program anyway. If the Lord completely departed from many churches, they would not ever realize it. But those who have tasted of his presence can never again be satisfied merely with programs. They must have the Lord. Even though the hype, manipulation, and programs have wearied the church to the, the degree that the Laodicean spirit of lukewarmness now pervades, there is a hunger for the Lord himself that is beginning to arise in her. The church at the end of this age will return to her first love. She will be so compelled to draw near to him that he will draw near to her on a scale that will uh, signify that even this great Welsh revival was but a foretaste of the harvest at the end of the age.
So I think we're there. I think that's where we are. I think we are about to experience revival. You guys have heard me talking about it, where it's all hands on deck. We're going to be so overwhelmed with the souls that are coming in to know Jesus. And um, we want to be part of it. We want to please him. We want to find out what pleases the Lord. We want to host his presence and be a place where he can lay his head, where he feels welcome, where he can do what he wants to do, where he can reconcile his lost sons and lost daughters that he is, his heart breaks for. And a really cool thing about uh, the Welsh Revival too is, I mean, it was like a youth revival too. <laughs> And I believe that's what's coming. And Bob Jones, he prophesied about it, right? You guys know the Bob Jones uh, prophetic words about the, this huge, awake, great awakening move of the Holy Spirit that it's going to be you. A lot of youth are going to come to know the Lord. And I don't know if you guys are uh, in touch with the youth right now. I mean, I've got a couple of them. But man, the enemy is relentless on their generation. And you know Why? He knows what's coming. That they're going to transform this world. And we are too. We're part of this. Right? I'm still a youth in in spirit, right? (laughs) I haven't hit 50 yet. (laughs) We're getting close, though. We're getting close. I know. I know you're not there. I'm joking. (laughs) I'll joke with Victor, right? That's right. That's right. But let's do this together. We can't do it. Let's be the 120. It started out as 500, but let's be the 120. Let's be Lazarus's house where Jesus would love to hang out. Where there was a rumor at Morningstar Wilmington that Jesus is in our house, that he is moving, that he is healing that the prophetic is released on a whole nother level. And most importantly, honestly, all of this is for souls. It's for this generation, for my kids' generation, who most of them don't go to church anymore. Are you aware of that? Is this in like, even in my generation, uh, it was kind of getting 50-50-ish, right? Now it's, a lot of them don't go to church anymore. I mean, we're coming to a place where the youth don't even know who Jesus really is. Isn't that crazy? In America. You know, and um, so we need, we need this. He wants to do it. And I don't know. Anything add to it? Guys, this is so right on and good. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting back and amazed watching what God's doing in our church. Because if, I mean, you, you got to be blind to not see that God's doing this. I ain't good. I'm not smart enough to put all this together. I'm not good enough. This team is not good enough. God is building this church. And that's been our prayer. Lord, this is your church. Build your church. You're the coach. We're the players. Give us the plays and we'll run them. But you're the coach. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm so thankful to God. And uh, I think 
when we give him room and we put him as the priority, I think we're going to see things that the, we have longed to see. I know that. I want to see a church that can say, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I want to return to, the, to, the, to that day of power where Jesus said, the works I do ye shall do, and even greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. And I think the key is learning how to let him be Lord and build his own church. He stands at the door knock. He, he, he quoted that scripture in Revelation. He stands at the door knock. In this age, Jesus asked permission of his own church to come in. There's coming an age, he's not going to ask permission. He's coming back with a rod of iron, with a two-edged sword in his mouth. I mean, but in this age, he wants people to choose him. And I want to choose him. I want you to choose him. And I want us to go after him together. So um, it is, I'm, I'm, you know, this, you know, if you've been here, if this is your first time visitor, just let me give you a heads up. We bought comfortable chairs. We're not in a hurry. If you, are, if you need to go, you will never hurt our feelings. So, but we're not in a hurry. We're trying to see what God wants to do and just do it and, and experience him, okay? I feel like the Lord wants to release some ministry to some people.